Okay, so here, here's the game. Uh, it's a simple game. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen of a tree. <laughs> Alois is failing already, apparently. I'm going to put a picture up of a tree, and you're going to tell me what kind of tree it is. Are you with me? Okay, are we ready? First picture. Nice. Nicely done. Next, next picture. Pear tree. Nice. Two for two. Plum tree. Give yourself, give yourself a hand. Italian plums, apparently, to be specific. Hey, you guys, you guys nailed it. Three for three. Uh, you are horticulturalists, or whatever that word is that means you know plants and trees. Uh, now, how... How were you able to identify so quickly what type of tree it was? The fruit. You know what a tree is by the fruit that it produces. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses this illustration to talk about leadership. He says this in Matthew 7. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a good tree or a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their other fruits. Today, uh, we're continuing this conversation that we started last week, and it's a conversation about leadership in the letter of Titus. And Titus was this young pastor that was commissioned by the Apostle Paul to care for the churches on the island of Crete. I've got a map, in case you're into that kind of stuff, uh, to kind of give us bearings on where this is off the island of, of Greece. As Pastor Amy explained last week, uh, this was no small task for Titus. Because what Paul points out in the first chapter of Titus is that the church was experiencing significant leadership issues. There was a group of individuals who had kind of worked their way into church leadership, but their leadership looked nothing like Jesus. The fruit that their lives were producing was not good fruit. Listen to how Paul describes these leaders at the end of chapter 1, verse 16. It says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Ouch! You don't want to go down in history being described this way. Someone who talks a lot about God, but doesn't really know him at all. And the job of Titus is given in verse 5 of chapter 1 was to put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town. So in essence, Titus was sent to help the church establish healthy leadership. And to do that, Paul gave him some practical Advice to stay with the fruit tree illustration. Paul explained in chapter one what good fruit looks like in a leader, 
and what bad fruit looks like in a leader. And what he says to Titus is, you're, you're going to choose leaders that are producing what kind of fruit? Good, Good fruit. And, and address the leaders that are producing? Seems pretty simple, right? Now, as we transition into chapter 2 today, there's a shift, and Paul coaches Titus on how to encourage the church as a whole. Uh, it starts in this way, verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So here Paul is saying, Titus, I'm aware, I'm aware of what's going on on the island of Crete. I'm aware of the challenges that are happening. On the, I'm aware of, of the deception and the distorted things that are happening in the church. I'm aware that the fruit is bad. But as for you, Titus, as for you, teach and lead and live in a way that's healthy. As for you, teach sound and healthy and reasonable and right doctrine and way of living. This is what he tells him to do. And then Paul gives a description, and I love this section, because there's a specific address to five groups of people. Older men, older women, young men, young women, and bond servants. So he kind of covers all the bases for Titus, which still provides a helpful roadmap for us today. So let's walk through this. Here's what he says, verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Now, I'm not sure what qualifies being an old man, uh, but maybe if you felt like it this morning, the shoe fits, okay? Here's your call. You are called to be a pillar of faith in the church. We actually need you to be a pillar of faith in the church. We need you to show us what it means to be secure in your faith and immovable in love. We need you to show us, to set the example for us on what it looks like to walk in wisdom when, when there's difficult times. We need you to model for us what it means to be sober-minded when the world is spinning around us. We need your example. We need you to go before us and show us what does it look like to trust God in all circumstances. We need your example. You know what I, I, encouragement I do not find in this letter to Titus? That older men are to be highly critical. They're to lose hope in the next generation. They're to be harsh in judgment, impatient, and value personal preferences over people. Yet sadly, this is kind of what happens in the church. It's not what I see in Titus. Older men, the best thing that you have to offer us, those who are coming after you, are a life abiding in Jesus. Walking with Jesus. Which if you're abiding in Jesus and walking with Jesus, what's going to happen in your life is the fruit of the Spirit is going to pour out of you. Love 
and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, you're not going to have to work at it. It's just going to be who you are. We need you to walk with Jesus. We, we need you to abide in the vine. We need you to stay faithful, to be sober-minded. Uh, this week, uh, I have a friend that I meet with regularly. His name's Brad, and I drove over to Burlington to meet with him. And, and this is a guy who was a pastor for many years. He's later in his life. He could fit the category of older man. And he has taken up the call to be dignified, sober-minded, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. What you experience when you spend time with Brad is the fruit of the Spirit. Because he has postured his heart before the Lord to say, how do you want to work through me today? How are you working through me today to encourage and invest and lift up those who are coming after me? Now, speaking as a semi-young person at 38, but on behalf of the teens and the 20-somethings that are coming up after us, we need you guys. We need you to step into our lives and share your life. We need you to say, hey, can I take you out to coffee? I just, I want to get to know you. We need you to come alongside us when we're having a hard time and say, you know what? You're going to make it. I've been through hard times too. And I've seen the goodness and the faithfulness of God. We need you to see us. And we need you to care and believe that God has not left his throne, but he's at work right now to do something in this generation of people that's going to set the stage for a work of his spirit. We need, we need you to believe that. And fight for that and pray for that. And you don't have to be a pastor or a minister or have any credentials. You are a follower of Jesus. You have the spirit of God living in you. You are equipped to do this work. Titus, Titus receives this instruction from Paul to give to the older men. And it's to be all of these things. And I get excited when I see, and I see this happening in our church, by the way. And, and I, I pray that it grows but, but when those who have gone before, even, even those who have been in the Navy and have served in the Navy and have retired, and now they're investing in young men and women who are in the Navy and giving their lives and helping them navigate difficult things. When, when older women in our church, and we'll get to you in a second, uh, are spending time with those who are in need and, and saying, hey, how, how can I enter your life not to judge you or criticize you, but to help you? What a beautiful picture of what we can be as the church, what we're called to be as the church. Are you with me? Yes. Moving on to verse 3. Ladies, uh, you are next. Older women, wise women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, a number of things to point out here. First to the seasoned ladies, we need your example 
too. Just, just as we just talked to the older gentleman, we, we need you. There's a challenge that you face, though. The longer you live, the more you know. <laughs> and the more connections you make, and the more people you're associated with, the more stories you compile. And if you live in a town for a long time, you, you tend to just know everybody that's, that's in the town. You basically know everybody's business. And here's where that can get sour. The more you know of people, the easier it is to be critical of people. The more you know people's stories, the easier it is to become judgmental of their stories. The easier it is to engage in gossip and unhealthy conversation. Did you guys hear? How did that happen? Did you know? Can you believe that? And it kind of pulls you in and you want to engage in it. It, it. Is that, in the end, honoring and uplifting and helpful in a body of faith? Or maybe you go the other direction. You've got so much that's going on. You've collected so much over the years, and it's so much to bear that instead of just engaging in it, you have a few extra glasses of wine at night to just check out from everything you're processing. Older ladies, you matter so much to, to the church, to the body of Christ because you are paving the way for young ladies that are coming after you. They're watching you. They're learning from you. They're seeing how you walk with Jesus and they're going, is this how to do it? Maybe this is what it looks like. They're following your lead, whether you like it or not. Paul places the training of younger women on your shoulders, actually. Did you notice that in the text? He doesn't tell Titus to train up the young women. He tells Titus to talk to the older women who then are to train the younger women. Did you notice that? It's your responsibility. So as a community of faith, by the Spirit of God in you, older ladies, pay attention to the younger ladies who are around you and offer them encouragement and hope and strength. Amen? We need your example. Young ladies and, and young moms, younger women in the room today, my guess is you've had plenty of moments uh, in your journey so far uh, where uh, life starts spinning and you feel a little bit overwhelmed and out of control. And you're not quite sure how to navigate the next steps. And my guess is just guessing. My guess is it would be incredibly meaningful to have somebody who's older than you that has walked the road come into your life and say, I see you and I'm for you and we're going to make it through this together. As I was sharing kind of what I was going to talk about with Katie, my wife, she pointed out that this is one of the most common conversations she has with younger women <laughs> across all different backgrounds. They're hungry for meaningful relationships with older people that can help them in their life. How they just want somebody to come in kind of to the, to the mess of their home <laughs> and not like criticize that, but say, hey, I'm just with you in it. 
I've been here before, and we're going to make it together. Paul is saying to Titus, teach the older men and women in your church to realize their value in supporting and teaching those who are coming next. So I echo his words today. We need you. Be commissioned in the name of Jesus. Be commissioned. Pay attention. In fact, this morning, when you leave this place, pay attention to the people that are around you that you sit with every Sunday and think, could it be, could it be that maybe the Lord is working through the people around me and he might be working through my life to offer encouragement and strength to someone else today? Don't wait for somebody else to do it. The Lord might be knocking on your heart saying, let's go. It's time. Both men and women. You with me on that? I hope so. Continuing in verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. That about sums it up for you young men. (laughs) If you can get self-control dialed in, most of the problems in your life will be solved. Right? Basically, think before you act. When we're young, we tend to act before we think, right? Uh, I have to confess, I I enjoy watching uh, Fail Army, which is a compilation of people crashing and falling while they're trying to do ridiculous things. Uh, Maybe that's saying something about my heart that's not good, I don't know. But it's no surprise to me that on these videos, most of the people in these videos are young men. We're like, I can totally make that jump with the skateboard. I can totally make this leap of like 20 feet in the air before crashing. I can make that happen. Science is now telling us that a young man's brain doesn't really fully develop until 25. Which explains so much. It's like, thank you, science. You're telling us something we already know. Here's the good news. Self-control as we were just encouraged in that verse, it doesn't come from trying really hard to be self-controlled. Self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit. I think when we first come to Jesus and we read about the fruits of the Spirit, we think that there's something that we should strive after. When in reality, the fruits of the Spirit come when we are just abiding in Jesus. When we are surrendered, when we trust Him, when we trust his provision and his care and his guidance, when we let go of the reins of our life, we actually begin to experience the things that only he can produce in us, one of those being self-control. So so young men, don't try really hard to be self-controlled. I'm gonna be self-controlled today. It will not be effective. Ask me how I know. That's not how it works. Walking with Jesus, abiding with Jesus will produce that fruit. In your life, most of the stress, and this is true for all of us, and anxiety and fear and frustration that enters into our lives is because we've forgotten who God is and who we are in him. We've forgotten our identity. We've forgotten our king. And when we forget those things, then we strive and protect and try to create. We do a ton of things that create anxiety, stress, and fear in our lives. When we trust that that the king of the universe has provided all that we need and we are his sons and his daughters, 
We lack nothing. Continuing in verse 7, Paul shifts to address Titus, but this is kind of a continuation because Titus would have been a younger man. He says this, verse 7, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teachings show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Here's the reality of leadership, and it doesn't matter if it's in the church or outside of the church. In this case, Paul is addressing church leadership, but if you're in leadership, if you're in a position where you're serving other people, here's what's going to be true of your life. You're going to have opponents and you're going to have critics. You're going to have people that, that don't want you to succeed or that, that are going to come at you from a lot of different angles. And Paul says to Titus, live your life in such a way that you remove ammunition from their weapons. <laughs> don't give them a reason. Don't, don't give them any ammunition to take you down. Live, live in such a way where they try. Think about the life of Jesus, right? When they're trying to kill him, they can't figure out what to capture him in. Why? Because of the way that he lived. So they had to make up something. <laughs> they, had to, they had to, he lived perfectly. Now, we're not perfect people. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're definitely not perfect. <laughs> and neither am I. But by the grace of God, he calls us to live in a way, to live into a life that is dignified and, and respectable. And as those that come against you, maybe you've made plenty of mistakes, but as a follower of Jesus, you know what we do? We acknowledge them. We confess them. We submit ourselves to him again. That's what it looks like. So he tells Titus, expect opposition, but don't let it affect the course of your life. Live with integrity and conviction. Verse 9 continues with the final address. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Uh, your translation may say slaves there, but... But it's, it's actually a bondservant. It's just, think about it in terms of if you're not your own boss and you're working for a boss and they're paying you for something, you are submitted to them as, you, hopefully you don't call your boss your master, because that'd be weird. And if you do, come talk to me. I want to make sure we help you. Um, but but to, to work underneath somebody, here's, here's what he's saying to, to bondservants. He's saying, same thing, with those in, in leadership, live in such a way that you are serving King Jesus, not your boss. So ultimately, Jesus is Lord of our lives, and whatever we step into, we live to honor him in everything that we do. And so, to be frank, as followers of Jesus, we should be the best employees that this town has. Because not only... We have the power of his spirit to live in a way that's character and integrity and honesty and wisdom. And we have all the tools that we need to be the best employees that, we, that, that this town could possibly have. And so when we go to work, we give our best. 
we don't kind of give our best. And this doesn't mean you have great bosses or great leaders, but remember who you serve, King Jesus. Live for him. Maybe you don't like your boss. Pray for him. And work hard. <laughs> At the conclusion of chapter 2, uh, Paul provides the reason why, and this is just beautiful. Because you can read the beginning of, of chapter 2, and, and again, it can turn into striving to try to be all of those things. But Paul reminds us how we can actually live into all of the things he just described. Listen to this, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So the only reason that any of us are a part of the story is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. The only way that any of us would be able to follow in the commands of Paul to Titus, older men, older women, young men, young women, is the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's not because you have it figured out or you've worked really hard at these things. It's because God came down, saw the brokenness of humanity, and said, I love these people because I've created them, and I'm going to give them my very life so that they can live into something that is beyond their ability to live in themselves. That's the gospel. It's the good news. You have what you need. I have what I need by the grace of God every day. Amen? Amen. By his grace alone, by his mercy, by his presence alone, can we do any of this? This is how Paul closes this section. Because I wonder if Paul's like, I, I got to make sure that I keep this connected to grace and who Jesus is. Because quickly this can turn sour. And it can be about being in control and, and telling people what to do. That's not what it's about. So to all of us today, regardless of what category we may fit into in this text, the good news is for you. God loves you. He, he sees you. He knows, he knows your, your the good things in your life. He also knows the not so great things in your life and he's sufficient to cover you and to restore you and to redeem you and to lead you into the type of life that we described in here as good fruit. He is fully capable of doing that in your life. He invites us into that by his spirit. So do we accept his call today? Older men, do you, do, you, do you accept his call on your life today? Older women, do you accept his call on your life today? Younger men, younger women, do you accept his call on your life today to walk in his spirit? Or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and it start, it's gonna start there. <laughs> he loves you. And, and by his 
sacrifice, he's taken care of all of this stuff that you think disqualifies you. He calls you to himself. Today, uh, we're going to honor, I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to honor four of our pastors, uh, Shannon, Amy, John, and Stacy. In fact, why don't you guys come on up here? Um, they've responded to this call, and it wasn't uh, this week or this year or so long time ago, and they've been serving faithfully in the church. But today, uh, during the next service, our, our district supervisor will be here, and, and our friends here are going to be ordained with Foursquare, which, which just means they're, they're being set apart. Now, here's the thing. God already set them apart. What we do as the body of Christ is to come alongside and say, yeah, we see that. And so we're going we're gonna to pray for them. We're, we're acknowledging the work of God in their lives. We're, we're acknowledging that, that the gifts that are present, how God has wired each one of you, the stories that he's given each one of you, he takes those things and he uses it for his purposes on this earth. You guys know that. And you walk in that. And, and the community that we live in is blessed by who you are. We need you. We need what God has placed in you, the work that he's done in you. Because it's, it helps encourage us along. It helps lead us into some of the things that we just described here. So from me to you, and, and on behalf of our congregation, thank you for just following Jesus. For making your life about that. Thank you for sacrificing, for leaving behind maybe what you want to do with your life and taking up what the Lord has called you to. We're blessed by you, and we need you. We need you to lead as God has set you apart to lead. So will you join me in this moment? And if you want to stick around, I'd recommend even coming back for the 11 o'clock to be a part of, to part, a part of the ceremony. But let's just pray. You can raise your hands towards these awesome people. God, we, we thank you this morning. Um, these are our friends. These are our family. And this morning, we just we celebrate with you as you celebrate over them. You've called them, and you've appointed them. You've, you've given them unique gifts and passions and ability that's beyond themselves. And Lord, I, I pray in this season that they would walk in your power, that they would walk in your grace, that even beyond, Lord, the story that they've walked and the experience that they have, they would begin to move in a way that is far beyond themselves, but is truly a work of the Spirit in their lives. And Lord, we receive that. We receive their leadership, we receive their care, and we lift them up to you this morning with hearts that are grateful. Thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for appointing them here. Thank you for working in their lives. Ultimately, Jesus, you are the one to be lifted up and praised for the work that you've done. Bless them. We pray for fruitful years ahead. We pray this in the power of your name. Amen. Amen. We thank our, our team for who they are. Love you guys. Please stand as we close and worship together.